You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is views is from Midstream. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to another rousing edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for Carolina Panther football talk right here on the Odyssey Network. I am Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right in the heart of Panther country. And of course, as always, joining me is my partner in crime, my co-host, the great one, Lonzo Wrightsell here as well, the Panthers on the bye week this week. So I thought we might have a little fun on today's pod. We can get into some hypotheticals. We can get into some wish list. We can get into the state of the NFC South as a whole. We're going to talk everything but X's and O's on today's broadcast since we are going to not be watching Panther football. Instead, taking the two-week victory tour after the win over the Broncos, a couple of home wins in a row for the Panthers. And as we have mentioned, currently sitting within striking distance of the NFC South. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we get there, uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, Lonzo. But I do want to spend a little bit of time on it. Matt Rule has been hired by the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That in and of itself is not news to me. I told you back in like week two or week three that that was going to be the reality of the situation. Hashtag nailed it. What I do find interesting is since Matt Rule was named the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhusters college football program, it has been the media tour of Matt Rule that has kind of cracked me up. Now, I get that Matt Rule is going to paint himself in the best possible light because he wants all the Cornhuskers to love him before what is going to be an extended rebuilding uh, 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 process for Big Red. What I am finding some level of comedy in are some of the comments that Matt Rule has made. And and we'll get into a, a few more of them, but I wanted to start with the fact that in a radio interview not terribly long ago, he was asked the question, what would you have done differently regarding your time at Carolina? And Matt Rule's answer, Lonzo, was, I probably would have taken a different job. Quote, end quote. Um... I will start very simply by saying, uh, Matt, that, you know, when he left Carolina, I didn't really have a big problem with him. It's like, okay, it was an experiment. 
It didn't work out. It was best for both parties that we move on and go a different direction. Now, my thought, though, is, yeah, I kind of wish you'd have taken a different job, too. And it's not because the program under you was struggling. It's because the program under you was struggling, and now you're walking away and putting every bit of it on the for every bit. And there's some other things he said that kind of add to that, and we'll get to those in just a second. But so what was your knee-jerk reaction? Because I played this audio right before we started recording, and you told me you'd heard it already. So when you heard it, what was your knee-jerk reaction to Matt Rule saying the thing he would have done differently is to take a different job? Uh, I, here's, here's what, of course, he meant. He meant he failed the team, and he is not an NFL coach when he thought he had that in him. And he would have taken a different job because uh, he let everyone down, and he doesn't like being that guy. That's that's exactly what he meant. Uh, that he was sorry that he let Panther Nation down and the NFL as a whole down, and now he's going back where he believes he belongs. He went above his station a little bit, thought he'd give it a shot, didn't work, and now he's going back to college where he belongs. That's what he meant, of course. Look, I got no issue with college coaches trying their luck in the NFL, right? I got no problem with it all. Pete Carroll showed that you can be successful as a college coach in the NFL. Now, Pete Carroll is the exception, not the rule. But if a college coach wants to come up and try it in the big sticks, I'm good with that. If an NFL franchise wants to bring up a college coach, elevate him to the highest tier of football in America and give him a crack at it, I got no problem with that. The only thing that I have a problem here is that since his departure, Matt Rule has been putting everything on the program. Now, in the grand scheme of things, let's be honest, it doesn't really matter, right? This is the situation where you find yourself uh, talking to a young lady and you get out of the blue, an ex-boyfriend showing up and going, she sucks, she's terrible, she's a homewrecker, she's a runaround Sue, whatever he might call her. Most of the time, you can ignore it. Right, Most of the time, you can be like, all right, cool, man. Like, I'm sorry she was all those things to you, but she's been really good to me. There is the concern that maybe there is something to it, to what he's saying. But this was a, pub, a very bub, a public breakup between two well-known entities. Like, we saw how it played out. We may not know all the nitty-gritty little, little details that took place in the background. But we watched this breakup happen. We knew the conditions of the breakup. We know why the breakup occurred. We know the reason that these two entities decided to break up at the time they decided to break up. It just comes across as sour grapes, ultimately, especially when you dig into some of the other comments that Matt Rule has made over the past week. Like, for instance, when Matt Rule has said that... He knew that this was going to be a rebuilding project. It was going to be a three-year rebuild, and he should have gotten more time. He deserved more time. He needed more time. He felt like they were in a good direction, et cetera, except for then a podcast called The Four-Man Rush dropped their little nugget from the first team meeting that Matt Rule held back in 2020. When he sat down with the team, in front of the team, in front of management, and said, I don't want to wait three years. I want to try to do it right away, quote, end quote. Once again, 
in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? But Zoe, there is some level of comedy in Mr. I wanted more time. I needed more time. They knew it was going to take time and they didn't give me the time when there is quite literally video evidence of him saying, I don't want three years. I don't need three years. We're doing this thing now and then failing miserably. Why? I'm a little confused as to why Matt Rule is on the redemption tour. I, I mean, why is he why is he hitting all these podcasts and all these uh, national TV shows and things? Why is he doing that? He's got the Nebraska job now. Why is he doing it? Uh, is he tr- he's trying to to paint himself in a different light, a, a picture that's already been painted? And in the end, why does it matter? You get you got the job. You're in Nebraska now. You're back in college. The NFL thing failed for you, but you can go back to college and you got a you got a shot at at getting three to four years in Nebraska at least. And you're still uh, getting I believe paid. they signed him to an eight-year contract. Yeah, but you know, buyouts can happen. Fair enough, as he well knows. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I don't understand why this tour is going on. I mean, I mean, who is this helpful for? I mean, of course, it's it's good fodder for for people like us. But I mean, what does he what what's he trying to accomplish? The thought that I have, and and, and you know, I've I've obviously been broadcasting for 15 years and doing it at pretty much franchises at every level, programs at every level. The answer is because Matt Rule is going to do everything that he can to quiet any concern and discourse around the University of Nebraska, predominantly amongst the folks who hired him and the boosters because college football is run by boosters. And Nebraska is, despite their failure of the last decade and a half or two, still a big money program with a lot of big money boosters attached to it. And he wants to quiet down concerns. And let's be honest, anybody who looks at Matt Rule's time at Carolina should justifiably be concerned. You can offset that with his success at Baylor, with his success at Temple. But he was a massive failure with the Carolina Panthers. Again, a completely different level of football, but a massive failure nonetheless. This is Matt Rule's efforts to tell the boosters, don't worry about me. It's all their fault, right? It is. To go back to my terrible dating analogy, it is when you had a bad breakup and you look back in retrospect and you realize that, you know, the breakup was 50% or more your fault. I think we've, uh, the majority of us have done that. We've gotten out of a relationship that ends poorly. And then you look back at it and you go, Man, I screwed up, right? Like I put on the comfort weight. I quit working out. I didn't help with the chores. I, 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 you know, I was quick to anger in some certain situations when I should have shown more patience and grace. And you go, it was kind of my fault. But then you get into the new relationship, and you're trying to impress the new person. You're trying to win them over. You're trying to make them think, oh, I caught me a prize. Especially when the old party is not in your life anymore, it's easy to go, oh, no, 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 my ex was crazy. My ex was terrible. She ran around on me. She didn't do the dishes. I did all the work. My ex was terrible. When you're relatively sure they're never actually going to get the opportunity to confirm that, no, it was kind of me too. Matt Rule is talking to his new significant other and saying my ex is crazy over and over and not taking the responsibility for his half of the relationship failing. And it's nothing more than that. He wants the boosters to love him on day one instead of starting his tenure as the head husker with question marks floating around in the background. The only problem is all the friends of the ex, that would be us, the Carolina Panther fans, 
We are listening to our friend get dissed very publicly when we all know the truth about why that relationship went sour, and that is why why we're sitting here. And again, grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. Our ex is get or our friend is getting dissed by the ex. Who cares? They're irrelevant. They're out of the picture. They don't matter anymore. But you still hear somebody talking crap about your friend, and you go, "Dude, that's kind of messed up, bro. It's kind of on you." You know, I get the analogy and everything, but in the end, when you're out there doing this, you haven't hired a full staff yet. At least I don't believe he has a full staff for Nebraska yet. Still working on it. And uh, if you're a a person who's thinking, well, maybe I'll go work for Matt Rule, you're seeing how he's talking about the last place he worked. Is that an environment you want to go work in? I I think once you got your whole staff in, in place and you're already got your office set up and all that kind of thing, then maybe you go out and do this. But I think it's a little premature, a little early. And again, I still believe unnecessary. Oh, it's totally unnecessary. And that is probably where we should leave that conversation. But I'm not going to because that's not even my favorite part about it. Here's my favorite thing that's come out of Matt Rule's redemption tour part one in Nebraska. Matt Rule was talking about the draft picks that were made during his tenure as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And Matt Rule at one point was discussing a couple of different picks that got made by Matt Rule. Matt Rule was asked about not drafting a quarterback during his time as the head coach, consistently going with retreads, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, for all three seasons. Matt Rule, when asked why he didn't make a quarterback pick, said, and I quote, I wasn't the GM, I didn't make the picks, end quote. Which is fine, because... For a lot of coaches, that would be the case. They would say, this is the guy I really want. Here are the guys I do like. And the GM pulls the trigger and owns it. Except, again, video and audio coming out from the Panthers' war room of Matt Rule sitting with Fitz, sitting with Tep, and saying, let's go with this guy, and it being the guy that the Panthers ultimately went with, including... Terrence Marshall Jr. and others. Multiple phone calls. Hey, I picked you. I picked you. I picked you. Are you coming? I picked you. Matt Rule has not once, not twice, but three times said this week alone in media interviews, this was what happened and this was not my fault. And then was immediately hit in the face with video and audio evidence that no, no, you're lying. You were exactly the reason that these things happened. You did do and say the things you said you didn't do or didn't say. I will tell you this. My favorite part about this whole story, as I finish up griping about our ex and then we move on to greener pastures, is that he is saying all this, in my theory, in order to smooth over, over concerns from Nebraska fans. And instead, what he has just provided in literally four days... He has now provided not one, not two, but three different examples of him bold-faced lying. When Matt Rule left Carolina, I kind of thought to myself, Lonzo, you know, I don't have a problem with Matt Rule. Yeah, it didn't work out. He wasn't a good fit for him, wasn't a good fit for us, made some decisions that, in retrospect, didn't work out for anybody, but still seems like a guy I could get along with, still seems like a guy I could drink a beer with. Not one, not two, but three different times. 
in the last four days, Matt Rule has now been slapped in the face with contradictory evidence proving that he is straight up lying about his time with Charlotte. I am looking at this now and going, if I'm a Nebraska man, I wasn't concerned about him as a head coach because of his time at this rank in previous uh, previous lives at Temple, at Baylor, etc. But now it looks like we got a damn bold-faced liar as a head coach, and those type of guys, they don't last real long in situations like at Nebraska. All right, so so the the again, I don't get the redemption tour because he's going to Nebraska. Nebraska fans don't care about the NFL. All they know is corn, cows, and football, college football. And if they're going to look at anything, they're going to look at his college football record. They're going to disregard anything he did in the NFL because it doesn't exist as far as they're concerned. So I, I don't know why he's doing it. It makes me laugh. I will say this, and then we'll finish this off. Lonzo's over here like, dude, can we stop? I'll say this, and then I'll roll it out. Matt Rule in talking about the rebuild going on with Carolina, and I think I think it's fair for all of us to look at this and say, we're a better football team now than we were even back in weeks three and four under, under Matt Rule, right? I think we all agree with that. Asked about the rebuilding process for Carolina and the fact that the Panthers, and again, despite the fact that it's because we're in a garbage division, are still very much within striking distance of winning a division, not under Matt Rule. Matt Rule said, I give Steve Wilkes all the credit, but I'm part of that building process. I give Scott Fitterer a lot of credit, but I also deserve some of the credit. Matt, you actually uh, would get some of the credit. You made the call on TMJ. It's worked out okay. You made the uh, the call on J.C. Horn. That's worked out okay. You made the call on the offensive line pickups. You made the call on the defensive linebacker pickups. And that's all worked out pretty good. You actually should and would get some of the credit for what looks to be a roster that is more capable of what you accomplished with it. But when you go on the Nebraska Redemption Tour and start saying dumb things, I I and Zoe and guys in our position become a little less likely to give you some of the credit that, frankly, I absolutely think you do deserve at the end of the day. Um, We'll leave it here, Lonzo, but this is comedy gold as far as I am concerned. The fact that not once, not twice, not twice, but three times, Matt Rule said something and then was immediately hit with evidence that he's lying while on this goodwill tour around the great state of Nebraska it is comedy gold to me. It's a Saturday Night Live skit with a helmet on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's not talk about that anymore on the Views from Mint Street podcast, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, instead, I wanted to take a look at the NFC South here on the Views from Mint Street podcast, available where major podcasts are found on Apple, iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on Spotify, or for free on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it on all your digital devices and don't miss an episode. Make sure you are subscribed to. Make sure you hit the little bell notification so that you get a notification every time we drop an episode on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And while you're at it, hashtag shameless self-promotion. Look up the Rob Brown Show where Lonzo and I go from 9 to noon every single weekday and talk all the sports from all the states We'd love to have you as part of that as well. Let us take a tour de force, though, of the NFC South, currently led by the 5-6 and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers, courtesy of the Cleveland Browns. They are tall- uh, tailed by a half game back by the 5-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons, who are tailed by another game back by the Carolina Panthers at 4-8. and eight. And the New Orleans Saints at 4-8. The Panthers check in third by way of the heads-up victory over New Orleans all the way back in week three, which, of course, was seven years ago. Uh, Tampa takes on New Orleans this week. This is not a sentence that Panthers fans say very often, though, but kind of want a Saints victory over Tampa Bay, right? Like, I know we are not Saints fans, but kind of want a Saints victory over Tampa Bay because despite the fact that it would elevate New Orleans over us for now in the rankings since we are on the bye, but it would also create a situation where we could be within a half game of Tampa with a win next Sunday when we get back into action. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not running away with this division like I thought they would a number of weeks ago. And while the Saints are bad with a capital B, their defense has had a couple of games they've stepped up and played. If they can figure out a way to score some points and upset the Buccaneers, I think that actually puts us in a really good spot to continue to try to win this division. I am, uh, I'm upset that you're criticizing the NFC South. This is obviously the most competitive division in all of football. They beat each other up, and so the records look really bad. S-E-S- oh, sorry. That's, yeah. sorry. that's yeah. the wrong that's, thing. That's, that's the wrong ex- thing. My that's, bad. That's exactly what's happening right now. That's why it's so neck and neck. Anybody can win this because everybody deserves to win it. Um, and as far as rooting for Tampa, Tampa Bay to lose, I root for that every year. So uh, every game. You root for Tom Brady to lose. All right. Yeah, I do that too. Uh, But yeah, Tampa Bay has also become that team for me too because uh, locally there's some people that that cheer for that team that bother me. So (laughs) so yeah. Um, But it's a good place to be in, I guess, if you're the Panthers, to be sitting back and watching watching yourself possibly gain some ground while not having to do anything. And uh, that's my favorite way to live my life, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> you you guys you guys do that. Hey, look, I moved up a little. Okay, I'm good with that. The, I think the question is, are the Saints capable of beating Tampa Bay? I mean, I didn't think the Cleveland Browns were, yet here we are, right? Uh, look, the Saints are a weird team. Here's here's the, the thought if you did not watch that New Orleans-San Francisco game. Alvin Kamara fumbled twice in that game. That doesn't happen very often, right? He fumbled once on what would have been a Saints touchdown. It's a little closer at that point. He then fumbled very early in the game on the opening possession, uh, a possession that the Saints had a little bit of momentum. They came close a couple more times. It was the first shutout for New Orleans in like 323 games, uh, which is a ridiculous number. But if Alvin Kamara doesn't fumble those two footballs, we're probably looking at like a 13-10 game, maybe a 14-13 game, and the Saints might very well beat the San Francisco 49ers. They did not. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. They're also 4-8. and eight. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think we can pretty well say right now, uh, are not better than the San Francisco 49ers, right? They're not. The New Orleans Saints, a couple of weeks ago, were able to go in and knock off the L.A. Rams in L.A. And, and I mean, beat L.A., like, be, like shut out, beat L.A., L.A. and Tampa are pretty close to each other. San Francisco is better than both of them right now. And the Saints were competitive against San Francisco. Couldn't put up points, which makes sense. San Francisco's got the second best defense statistically in the National Football League. Are they good enough to beat Tampa? Sure. I absolutely think that they are good enough to beat Tampa. Uh, Will they beat Tampa? That's a question mark. This game, I think, is going to be relatively ugly. Fortunately for the Buccaneers, it is in Tampa Bay, but Tampa isn't exactly the most intimidating place to play in the National Football League, right? I would probably argue that, especially considering how many Bucs fans are not Bucs fans, they're Brady fans, and they're not necessarily an NFC frontrunner right now. I don't know that Tampa's going to be any more threatening a place to play than BOA was back in week three when we knocked off New Orleans. Can New Orleans beat Tampa? Absolutely can. Will they? I don't know. I'm saying as a Panthers fan, as much as it'll pain a lot of Panthers fans, we're pulling for New Orleans here to keep Tampa in check. We want Tampa to hold off from finding any chemistry until as late in the season as possible to give us the best chance to run them down and snag the division lead. I don't think New Orleans beats Tampa and then suddenly takes off on a chase to win this division because that's a bad football team. I do think we have a better crack at it than the New Orleans Saints do. So I'm pulling for the Saints because I have more belief that we can stay atop New Orleans even if they do take a one-week divisional lead because we've got an easier schedule and are a better football team. I need to keep Tampa within striking distance as long as possible if we are indeed playing for a playoff spot, and I believe we are. And the Panthers still, I believe, play those two teams back-to-back at the end of the season. Correct. So, I mean, that, that works out better for the Panthers. If 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 Tampa Bay were to lose, uh, then you can beat Tampa Bay again and beat the Saints again, and then you're, in first, division. you're in first place. It's, it's weird to say, but... Th- there it is. It's weird to say, but it's accurate, right? I, I think that 
like I said, nobody's afraid of it. And I will say this. The, the, the one hilarious thing about the NFC South is nobody's afraid of Atlanta. Atlanta's second in the division right now. And there's absolutely nobody uh, who believes that they can finish off this division, can catch up with Tampa Bay. I'm guessing they don't even believe it themselves. I really don't. I really don't. In fact, let, let me go check. I'm going to go check because I'm curious right now. The NFC rankings right now. Uh, in terms of, of betting odds, Tampa Bay is minus 450 to win the division, uh, minus 333, minus 310, and minus 330, depending on where we look. We are dead last in DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, and PointsBet as far as divisional contenders. Plus 1,400, plus 1,500, plus 1,600, plus 1,800, uh, according to those four books, respectively. That being said, I'm looking at this Atlanta team, and I'm trying to figure out why, right? Like, why is Atlanta number two? Because I I don't, you know, I got gambling buddies. There are very few of us that believe that Atlanta is a, a divisional winner, whereas I have heard kicked around, although it is a minority of us that believe that Carolina still has a very good chance to win the NFC South. Atlanta has got the Steelers coming up this weekend. That's a toss-up going a game as far as I'm concerned. They have they are at New Orleans the week after that. New Orleans, as bad as they are, has already beaten the Atlanta Falcons once this year, and this one is in New Orleans. Then they're at Baltimore. I got no question they win that. The Cardinals should be an L for Atlanta, but good gosh almighty talk about uh, turmoil within a program. I thought DeAndre was going to eat Kyler Murray during that last game, and Cliff Kingsbury has no idea how to fix it. And then Atlanta wraps up their season with Tampa Bay in the final game of the year. I like our run better than that. And New Orleans, for whatever reason, continues to ride with Andy Dalton. Fine by me for any team that needs Atlanta or New Orleans to eat some L's. Uh, to not make the switch back to Jameis. Not that I think Jameis is the guy. I absolutely don't. But good gosh, it can't get much worse than Andy Dalton has been. The only games they've won have been carried on the legs of Alvin Kamara. So I think they're afraid of Andy Dalton because I am a little bit. I mean, just the red just gets more intense every time you see him to the point where he looks like a, a villain from a Final Fantasy game or something. <laughs> and I think they're just afraid of him. I am at genuinely this point convinced like Andy Dalton must have blackmail on uh, Dennis Allen in New Orleans, right? Because otherwise I got no reason that guy's still starting games. He just games. looks with an evil ginger smile and a wink. Right. I, I will say this. Andy Dalton versus Tom Brady. In any other season, we'd laugh. Monday? Could be. You, you just don't know. Yeah, it's a toss-up. Like I said, I, 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 as a Panther guy, I am pulling for New Orleans on Monday. Not because I ever want to see the Saints win a game. I am pulling for the Saints on Monday because I want to keep Tampa in striking distance. We have a win on them. If we can pull a tied record into that final game with Tampa, a win sends us to the playoffs as divisional champions. And, as we have mentioned, we've got an easier road between here and there than the 5-6 and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Detroit's gotten better. They're still Detroit. They, Tampa, has the Saints coming up on the 5th. Then they are at San Francisco. Then they are back home for Cincinnati. Then they're at Arizona. Does Arizona have a bounce back? If they do, it would be two to three weeks from now. 
not this week. That's a good time to catch them. Then they are back in. Then we got Charlotte. Then we got the uh, the the Tampa Bay versus Carolina game, and then they are on the road at Atlanta. That game should be a win for Tampa Bay because Atlanta at that point, I suspect, will have taken themselves out of contention. We'll find out. But Saints, Niners, Bengals, Cardinals is a hell of a lot stronger than bye week Pittsburgh, Detroit, right? It's the schedule sets up. We find any chemistry, any rhythm coming off the bye week with those two teams and New Orleans knocks off Tampa coming up this week. We got a real crack at going into those last two games with a level record with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that final game of the year against New Orleans, keeping our eyes glued to Tampa versus Atlanta, knowing if we need to go in and win that game. The opportunity is right there to the point that I may even put a little bit of a, a little bit of a sprinkle on Carolina plus 1800 to win the division if New Orleans beats Tampa coming up this weekend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the views from Midstreet Podcast is in your ear holes. I am Rob Brown. The great one, Lonzo Reitzel, is my co-host, my partner in crime, every single pod. Do us a favor. If you have not done it already, share this around in your social media circles. We want to continue to grow the pod. Our listenership has been growing week by week, and we want to continue that. So if you like it, put us out there on Twitter, on the gram, on your Facebook, and invite your Panther-loving friends to jump in here and be a part of this with us. And, of course, we invite you to interact with us on social media, at The Rob Brown Show, at Lonzo on Word. Or you can find us on our station fan page at the Fan Upstate on Facebook. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, all year long, though, I feel like our 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 conversation, at least for me, from my end of it, has been centered around what draft picks the Carolina Panthers are working with next year, specifically their first round draft pick. Now, courtesy of last week's results, we actually are still sitting at number five. It's not a bad spot to be in, right? It's not. Because on one hand, you're competing for the division. On the other hand, you got a top five draft pick. And you've got some other picks in your pocket that you could use to maybe move up a spot or two. Correct. Seven other picks in the back pocket right now, alongside with our first rounder. That is, again, as of right now, number five. I have found myself this week, and it's not to say I don't care about the draft because I do. NFL teams are built through the draft, in my opinion, right? Every now and then, a team will trade all the draft picks, bring in a bunch of vets, but that's pretty much what you do when you're coming to the end of a contending window. When it's time to rebuild, you, you stockpile draft picks and you build a young team around it. I obviously do care about the draft, but I'm kind of done talking about next year's draft right now. Right? Like, I'm kind of done talking about it, even with the top five pick, because of how much I still want to make a run at the division. Because I, I, I have gone from yo-yoing up and down from tank to compete to tank to compete. I am in full-blown compete mode right now, right? Regardless of whether New Orleans beats Tampa this weekend or not, I am in full-on compete mode right now. I was looking through, because I am a glutton for punishment, a number of message boards for the Panthers over the weekend. And after the NFL games on Sunday and Monday night's game, 
uh, I saw a billion threads from people going, okay, if we can't get CJ, if we can't get Bryce, if we can't get Will, who do we want? What position are we going with? And those are all fine conversations to have. I'm just right now very much tuned into, guys, we can make a playoff run. And if we gel enough to win the division, we're going to go into the into the into the NFC playoffs as a team nobody has paid any attention to, which can sometimes be a very dangerous team in the playoffs. I don't know if this warm fuzzy feeling washing over me is optimism, Lonzo. But I like it. All right, so you're creeping me out a little bit over here. And, uh, I mean, you, you saw it, like, wash over me as you were speaking. Like Lonzo backed away from the microphone. Like, who are you? You're not Rob Brown. You're not the Rob Brown that I know. Uh, I You found some joy. Good it's on you, weird. man. It, it, it I don't like it. Well, you should. You should You should like finding joy. There's nothing wrong with joy uh, and having expectations and having hopes and having dreams and all those kind of things. And all these are within grasp of the Carolina Panthers. They could actually achieve what you are hoping they achieve. They could win the division. Still, they could actually compete in the playoffs. I think that one's a little more far-fetched, but winning the division definitely is a possibility. And worry about next year, next year. I mean... You know what the core of this team is. You know how good the offensive line has been. You know how good the defense is. You know how how good the running backs have been looking. So, I, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of things to look forward to with the team. But I don't look at the draft yet. I'm, I'm not worried about the tanking. I'm not worried about the not tanking. I'm not worried about where we are in draft order. I'm, <clears throat> I'm like Steve Wilkes. I'm just looking at the next game. You know, trust the process. Just looking at looking at looking at the Seattle Seahawks, and if if they can win that game, trust the process. I mean, like I said uh, on the pod earlier this week, that game, as far as I'm concerned, is a dictionary game. It's going to define us. We are going to know. Now, as not to say, next week's pod, or I guess two weeks from now's pod, when we come off that Seattle game on that Monday, I'm not going. All right, drive the tank again. But we go to the we go to Seattle and win that game. I think it's a defining game, and I think it's a a, a game that kind of provides us with a little bit of a revolution, man. I really do. Uh, take a quick, a couple of looks at other things. Quick shout out: Brian Burns, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, a three tackle, two sack, one force fumble, turnover game. Brian Burns, as I have mentioned, remember. Go back to the shows leading up to the trade deadline. How many hot takes did we see about trade Brian Burns? Get a bunch of first rounders for him. Send him to San Francisco. Send him to L.A. Get a bidding war going. Brian Burns is once again and consistently performing as one of the best NFC South defensive players, one of the best NFL defensive players overall. And my dude deserves a massive pat on the back for it. You know what? You uh, A couple weeks ago, right before that game, I still remember you saying Brian Burns living in Russell Wilson's dreams. Russell Wilson <laughs> still has the yips from seeing him come around the corner. For the record, <clears throat> uh, you would too. As would about 99% of Americans not named Lamar Jackson, I think. Dude is good. Uh, all right, let me throw another one up here. Here's a, a little pat on the back and congratulations. J.J. Jansen 
uh, back in 2009 was about a month into his first training camp with the Carolina Panthers as a long snapper out of the University of Notre Dame. And he was talking and telling a story to David Newton, the staff writer for ESPN who covers the Panthers, where he said that he called his wife and was ready to quit, right? It was hard. He thought he was going to get more more out of it. He was just ready to quit. He told Newton, quote, I don't remember her exact words, but it was basically like, you don't quit. Just keep powering through. You're going to do it. 200 21 games later, the next time the Panthers line up and play football against the Seattle Seahawks, Jansen is set to become the most tenured player in Carolina Panther history. 222 games will he have suited up in. It will be the Panthers record for the most games played in the silver and blue it would be John Casey that he edges out who of course played 16 seasons in Carolina to put that in perspective Newton list a few more guys who have a plus 200 game with one team record Green Bay's kicker Mason Crosby it feels like we've been watching Crosby kick for six decades with Green Bay yeah, when he takes his helmet off, you realize that he's been he's been he's old. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty three games. The largest streak in NFL history is two hundred and seventy games played by Jim Marshall for the Minnesota Vikings. Jensen is thirty six years old, playing on the youngest roster in the NFL, a Carolina Panther team that averages twenty four point seven years of age per player. Uh, Newton writes that Shaq Thompson calls him grandpa. Why? John Casey was 39 when Jensen arrived at Carolina. John Casey is now 53 years old. In case you're just playing the numbers game in your head, a massive congratulations to JJ, the long snapper, who is about to become the most tenured Carolina Panther in franchise history. That's pretty dope. You know, and, and what a story. So it's 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 such a such a great story, the fact that he was ready to quit and he had uh you know someone who supported him in a way to encourage him to to go on another day and now he's been there that long. So if you're listening to this pod and you're thinking, you know what, I can't do this anymore, whatever you're doing in life, find yourself someone who will support you and do it one more day. And who knows, maybe you can have this kind of longevity and whatever you're thinking of leaving. Uh, and finally, before we get out of here for the day, what? I was, I was, I was just shrugging my shoulders. Oh, I liked it. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. The show, yeah, the shoulder roll we're going. Good. We're good. I liked it. Okay. All right. Final one of the day. Well, two more stories out of the day. Maybe, uh, maybe three. You know maybe, what? Maybe we'll see. Seven, possibly eight. Hey, it's like wins. I'm really happy when we get a good one. I'm happy to roll up as many as we got. Uh, Pro Football Focus continues to track the electric development of one J.C. Horn. Check this out. Amongst cornerbacks across the entire NFL, with a minimum of 200 coverage sacks, J.C. Horn has allowed a total of 138 yards. That's the fewest in the league. He has allowed over 200 coverage snaps, four catches that turned into a first down. Four. 
that have turned into a first down. That is lowest in the league. And when targeting J.C. Horn, quarterbacks are passing at a 38.3 passer rating. That is the lowest passer rating against an individual player in the entire National Football League. We told you that dude, despite not having the INT numbers of a Gardner Jackson out of Philly or whatever, a sauce out of uh, sauce Gardner INT rate, J.C. Horn is, as of right now, the best cornerback in the National Football League. I said when he when he got drafted out of South Carolina, the dude had a chance to be good. I said after the rookie year that if he was able to stay healthy, he had a chance to be elite. Lonzo, he's healthy. He's played all but, what, two games so far this season? And as numbers go, the dude's the best cornerback in the National Football League right now. Yeah, he's amazing. You can't throw his way, and if you come his way, he's going to put a hit on you. So, I mean... He, he's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to uh, to be on your best receiver and shut them down. Now, if the Panthers could find someone, you know, as good as he is, just think of how awesome that back that defensive backfield would be. Let's build around that guy, right? Let's let him be even more free in coverage. That would be terrifying. Okay, this one is for sure the last story, predominantly because we're just about out of time. Don't count on it. I love this. All right. Let's celebrate for a minute the World Cup taking place right now in Qatar. I know you're going, how the hell is he going to work this into a Panthers story? Well, stay tuned because I got one for you. Uh, There has been, and I've noticed this because I go out uh, uh, like a lot to watch NFL games. There has been an increasing and impressive number of fans that are starting to go both directions as far as NFL fans recognizing you can love the NFL and American football and still love soccer and soccer fans who are starting to find their way over into the National Football League, especially as we start to see players bleed from one game into the other. You've also seen with the international games taking place in Mexico City, in London, in Munich, with more games coming in Frankfurt, in Berlin, et cetera, et cetera. I suspect at some point we will see a game in Japan in the next handful of years. There has been a massive growth in the game, uh, specifically in Europe. And I am very happy to see that the Carolina Panthers have decided to be on the forefront of that. How is that? The Panthers are joining forces with Eintracht Frankfurt, which is a German Bundesliga team. The Bundesliga is the highest level of professional soccer in Germany. What are they doing? Well, the Panthers are getting help from Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. They're getting help to promote the Panthers across Germany and across Europe. And at the same time, they are going to be helping promote the Bundesliga and Frankfurt around the United States as well. It's a partnership to help grow the Panther fan base in Europe and to help grow Frankfurt's fan base here. Not only does that help, obviously, Charlotte FC by creating a pipeline that players can develop there and come here or develop here and go there and grow the American football game, but on top of that, you are also helping to promote the game uh, in Germany and across Europe. Why does that matter? 
because the Panthers are now going to be one of the premier teams in Europe because they are embracing that role. They are reaching out across the pond and spreading that love. In fact, a survey came out before the game in Germany about the favorite NFL franchise in European countries. You know who the number one franchise in London was? The Carolina Panthers. Part of that is because Tepper is pushing soccer very hard in the country, which I know disturbs a lot of Panthers fans. But when guys in Europe that are middle schoolers, high schoolers, as they develop, while it will always be, more than likely, a second-tier sport behind soccer in Europe, just like in America, as we're starting to see, despite soccer being a second-tier sport here, you're starting to see players kind of bleed into the game and realize, hey, I like soccer. I'm going to play even though it's not the American thing to do. In Europe, you're going to have a lot of players that are going to start bleeding over into American football. And you're going to see that sport start to turn up and get played at different levels outside of the NFL, which means just like with Australia, just like with Asia, there are a pipeline of potential future players down the line Why not have them eyes on Carolina early in their development and continue to grow as potential, hey, I want to be a Panther when I make it to the league type guys. It'll never be as much as the college football system in America, but everything, every little bit helps. And dadgummit, Lonzo, I got optimistic again. What am I doing? Rob just wanted to take the opportunity to say Bundesliga like three or four times. That's all that was. He just wanted to, because it's a fun word to say. Uh, no, it's good to get bleed from wherever. It's good to uh, to get promotion in other countries. And uh, if we can get some good players out of it, great. Yeah, love it. Love it. Hey, U.S. in the World Cup knockout stage, baby. Let's go. You want to hear more about that? Tune in to the Rob Brown Show on Monday from 9 to noon free on the Odyssey app. But more importantly, be back here on Monday. It won't be a recap show. Why? We're on the bye. We're celebrating the Denver win for two weeks, y'all. But check back in. We will have developments from around the rest of the league and an update on the NFC South running order when we come back next week. Lonzo, any final words for the people? Time to move up by doing nothing. It's my favorite thing. Do nothing and be better off for it? I don't mind. I will do that all weekend long. See you guys back here on Monday for the next edition of the Views from Mid Street Podcast. Have a great weekend, y'all. Keep pounding, baby!